Hello, I'm Ray Reich, founder and CEO of RevOps Squared, and your host of the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. We talk to a wide variety of B2B, SaaS, and cloud thought leaders, executives, investors, and people just like you to discuss the metrics and benchmarks they use to make metrics-informed decisions. Now on to today's show. Welcome to today's episode of the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. Today, we are joined by Cliff Simon, the Chief Revenue Officer at the Carabiner Group. Today, we'll be covering three main topics with Cliff. First, revenue operations, strategic function or tactical department. Second, the primary responsibilities and measurements of revenue operations in the B2B SaaS industry. Third, the decision criteria for outsourcing or insourcing revenue operations. Cliff, please take a moment to give a brief overview of your journey to becoming a guest on the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. Hey, Ray, thanks so much for having me. Glad to be a part of this. As far as my brief journey, yeah, been with Carabiner here now for about two years as we've grown and scaled the company up. Got a lot of friends that seem to run the same circle. So I had a, a nice introduction to you guys via uh, our friend Brandon over at Place Technology. Well, I'm excited to have you here. And since we just met, I'm going to give you an easy kind of, let's ease into this conversation, Cliff. Not really, <laughs> but <laughs> revenue operations, is it a strategic function or is it a tactical department? How should I as a CEO or CFO be viewing the revenue operations function? Yeah, I actually think this one's not very controversial at all. Uh, it has to be a strategic function. If you at the very top within that first team in an org are not pushing for revenue operations and a data-driven model within your business and having the ability to make data-driven decisions, it's never going to actually permeate, right? Everything within a company comes from the top. Your culture, the way that you treat your customers, the way that you work internally, the cadence and the speed at which things get accomplished, right? All of that comes down from the top. You can't force that into human beings, right? You have to be able to show by example. And I think revenue operations is nothing different. There has to be a clear message and a clear pathing, a clear direction from the C-suite of this is how we are going to go about the business of this company. This is why this is important. This is how it's going to affect everyone within the company. And from that point on, you can start putting together all the tactical pieces of the actual execution and assigning those out to their uh, relevant uh, stakeholders. Yeah, I think... My experience has been revenue operations is actually viewed initially as the strategic function to really help accelerate revenue growth across acquisition, expansion, retention, and improve the customer experience. But then the day-to-day -day cliff becomes data quality issues, systems integration, kind of information flow between your marketing automation and your CRM. So I guess my follow-up question is, do you see revenue operations too often getting so mired in the day-to-day -day tactical detail that they forget that their role is to be a strategic partner to the revenue and the executive team? It happens all the time. It happens all the time. Uh, there's so many things that are constantly moving, right? We all know the inflection points. As you continue to grow as a company, as you're looking for that next series of funding, or you're trying to hit that next AR milestone, or that next employee count, whatever it might be, you, you, you get so head down in trying to figure that out that you don't always think about it with the future in mind and with that big strategic picture. And 
it's one of the things we see most often, right? And it's not, I don't think it's because people don't want to be thinking about it. I also think that just with the growth of RevOps as it is today, that there's not enough folks who have the experience or the foresight around the strategic side of it. And that's just because, gosh, it's grown so much, right? You're talking about 5,600 people with RevOps titles in January of this year. There's 17,000 people with RevOps titles now on LinkedIn, right? They're almost entirely director and VP level. So the growth there has been wild. I think there was 11,000 open jobs in RevOps in January. There's over 35,000 open jobs right now in RevOps. It's exploding. Yeah. One of my questions is how much of that is real demand increase or just a title change? Instead of calling them a business analyst or a sales ops or a marketing ops person, they're calling them RevOps. But that's another topic for discussion. So one of the things I'm going to ask you, though, is I believe that often how you're viewed as a function is how you're measured and what your tasks are. An example, if you're running sales, you're measured on revenue and revenue growth is one of the top three objectives the CEO and CFO are held to by the board. So let's talk about RevOps. What are the top three responsibilities that a revenue operations function should have, especially if they're viewed as a strategic function? That's an interesting question. There's so many different facets to it, right? RevOps in its holistic form really does touch everything within a business. Right? Your, it touches your finance. It touches the way that you engage with your clients. It touches enablement of both your clients and your internal teams, and then your systems and the processes that those systems are reflective of. It's hard too to benchmark RevOps, right? Because they are not directly responsible for the actual top line revenue growth. They're not responsible for how many MQLs get converted. They're not responsible for churn or retention or net dollar retention. But what RevOps is responsible for is surfacing up the data in such a way that those leaders within the individual business units are able to make the appropriate decisions and able to drive the business forward faster, right? So I think one of the ways that that's better accomplished is defining what a benchmark is, right? Coming in the door, taking a look at the existing lay of the land and then start starting to measure that quarter on quarter to see where the improvements are happening and to find out more importantly where the weaknesses are so that you can continue to coach and drive change appropriately. Uh, we just did a white paper with our friends over at Immersa. And what we found after interviewing, I think it was like 140 plus SaaS companies was that if you had a centralized RevOps function, you were driving ARR north of 30% more than if you did not. So there are some underlying statistics there that are real, but it, it's hard to look at when you don't have it, that, that benchmark of understanding where you're coming from. Interesting. You mentioned you think the top responsibility is surfacing the data so the executive team can make decisions. Is that Am I capturing what you said right? Yeah, I think that's, that's the crux of it, right? Very often when you're a C-suite or you're a high-level VP, you want to be able to know that the data that's in front of you is correct so you can report accurately to the board so that you can make the decisions you need to make. But that's just an outpouring of all of the nitty gritty tactical work that does happen on the front end, right? Data governance, making sure you're driving enablement and user adoption, making sure that the UX and UI are easy for people to do those things, making sure that your processes that you've built out are actually aligned to the way that your customer buys from you and the journey that they're going through. Right? There's all these building block pieces that are foundational 
that allow you to get to the point where you turn on the, the faucet and the water comes out. Yeah, let me, let's me let click on that, Cliff, because I think I may have a little bit different perspective and I'd love to get your feedback on it. Sure. So, yeah, I think all the, the data, the systems, the process, right, that's foundational. But at the end of the day, the RevOps leader, she or he, need to not only service the data to the CRO or CFO, CEO to make decisions, but to be the canary in the coal mine, which is to look at trends of data to identify potential issues in the future and provide recommendations of how to avoid those issues. Maybe that's lack of pipeline coverage. So you're not going to be, make, be able to make your ARR goal in the next one or two quarters, or you're seeing a disturbing trend regarding retention, a particular cohort of customers. So my perspective is it's not just surfacing it, it's analyzing and providing advice to the C-suite. What do you think about that? I think in an ideal world, yes, I, I agree with you. But going back to the fact that there just aren't enough folks that are experienced enough in this arena, you're not seeing that happen in the field as much as one would want. I think with the folks that have the requisite amount of experience, that we're seeing that. But by and large, that's not what I'm seeing. You're seeing a much more kind of that tactical measurement, get these tasks done, et cetera. Yeah, and leaving the strategic functions over to the, the CEO, CMO, CRO, COO, right? I think once you start pulling up into like the bigger series C, series D, that's when you're starting to bring on and, and have those truly strategic folks that are able to walk alongside and, and help out from that perspective. And you know, at that point, you also have the budget to have a large enough team or to bring in somebody to work alongside your team to be able to manage a lot of the tactical stuff so that you can focus on the strategic. You know, I, I totally agree with that. I think the, the vision is very different than the on the ground reality. But you brought up a point, you know, Series C, Series D, they can become more strategic, kind of be a strategic partner to the C-suite. When do you see for B2B SaaS companies that inflection point where having a revenue operations function and strategy becomes a must have versus a nice to have? I think it's a must have from the beginning. If you can get interesting. There. So be so before sales ops or marketing ops or alongside, or it's a replacement thereof? Sales ops and marketing ops are both parts of RevOps, right? Um, mm -hmm. If you're looking at it from a departmental alignment versus a functional one, I think you need to have RevOps as early as you can afford to. If you can put good data in place and have an understanding of how to drive the business forward, wouldn't you? How often do we bring in that charismatic sales leader? You know, he or she has great relationships, you know, they come in at a series A company or maybe a seed level company, get them to one, two, three million dollars in ARR based off of those relationships and the fact that they've got a great network and a good name, but they never document anything. And now you, you know, they've moved on to that next role and you're trying to figure out how the heck did we even get here? Well, if you don't have the processes in place and the ability to capture that data, like it's not going to do you any good. And you're going to be recreating the wheel a couple of years into it, thinking that you're further along than you actually are. I love it. That seems like one of the core responsibilities of RevOps then is to come in, not only analyze current processes, kind of do a step refinement to make it better, but to document everything across the customer lifecycle so that when new people do come in or has evolved an organization, you know where you've been, where you're at today, and it makes it easier to determine where you're going. Is that right? I would agree, yes. Yeah. So let me go back to something you said earlier, Cliff, because I love the fact that you conducted this research and you found that organizations with revenue operations were growing 30% faster. Is that correct, what you said? 
Yep, thirty percent more ARR generation. So, with yep. I, I love that. So, do you think when you're measuring the business value, the ROI, you're the CRO, you're pitching for the first time to your CEO or CFO, CEO or CFO, you got to invest in RevOps. You want to hire a VP or head of RevOps. Do you think that accelerating revenue growth is one of those measurements that you can, quote unquote, bet your credibility on with that CEO and CFO? You get that, we're going to accelerate ARR this much faster. Yeah. And I think the way that you do that is by measuring time and stage, right? What's the average time to close on a deal? How quickly are we moving things through the pipeline? The level of qualification? What are the conversion rates across the entire bow tie? All of those different metrics, right? As you continue to set up a RevOps function and walk through the data, you should see incremental changes in all of them, right? The idea with RevOps is that it's a rising tide that lifts all boats, but it's not a tide that lifts one area, you know, 10, 15, 20%, right? It's about one to two to 3% incremental change all the way through that customer's buying journey. And then you leverage the power of mathematics, right? If I'm doing a 2% change all the way through, at the end of the day, that could levy a 20% increase. Got it. Okay. What are the metrics that measure at podcast here, Cliff? So we're going to ask you a 100% metrics question. What are, and I always try to limit it because you, know, you want to do everything as a RevOps leader. You want to measure every most granular point in time. But what are the top five metrics that you think a revenue operations leader should prioritize to instrument and report to the executive team? Uh, growth in MRR, AR, whatever metric you, you guys run off of as a company, I think is going to be number one. Deal time, number two, so that you can understand where things are going. Number three is going to be pipeline generation. Are you faltering? Are you ahead? Are you well poised to continue moving forward? Uh, win rate would be up there for me, sort of right along those same lines. And then the other big one is going to be net dollar retention. I think that is enough to be inclusive of churn where you're looking at that dollar in, dollar out, right? I love the fact that you threw net dollar retention because that really highlights the fact that revenue operations really is the the glue that holds marketing, sales, and customer success as organizations and processes together. So I would say it's the most important one, right? It doesn't matter how good your sales team is. If you can keep acquiring clients, fantastic. But if you're losing and you have a leaky bucket, you're never going to be able to catch up, right? A well-refined or any solid SaaS company that has its desires on growing, 70% plus of your revenue is coming from your existing base. You need to make sure that you're servicing your clients well and that you're not losing them, right? Whether you're using lagging indicators like CSAT or churn, or if you're staying ahead of it with some more tactical touches and doing more client surveys and there's all kinds of ways to get in there and make sure that you're 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 at least knowing what's coming down the pipe. I totally agree. Net dollar retention is such a critical metric, and I do agree that RevOps should be co-own that goal. But we're going to pivot, and we're going to go to something we've talked about a couple times, and I really want to dig into it. And that's a lot of organizations will, you know, early days they get their CRM, so they, maybe they hire a Salesforce administrator who becomes a sales ops person. Um, then you have your marketing automation, so you need a marketing ops person. And as you grow, you've got a customer success platform. You focus more on customer satisfaction, customer retention, so you get a CS ops function maybe. So what is the relationship between a revenue operations leader 
in those three tactical operations groups, departments? Yeah, they've got to help set the strategic vision for each one of those. They need to be able to help unblock whatever is blocking those folks along the way, whether it's a technology issue, an enablement issue, a systems issue, or a process issue. They also need to help drive forward the operating cadence between those individual departments. So everyone's talking together, right? CS needs to take all the information that they're hearing back from the client and make sure that that's going over to products so that they can keep up with different feature sets and make sure that they're staying competitive in the landscape. They need to make sure that they're getting uh, additional use cases over to marketing so that they can continue to build additional value props and uh, attack a larger total addressable market, right? You need to be taking that over to sales so they can be selling into that larger market. Now that you understand all the use cases that your clients are finding for your technology, right? RevOps is in charge of making sure that those things happen. I love the what you said, the overarching vision for how marketing, marketing ops, sales, sales ops, and CSCS ops kind of meet the company level goals and look at those handoffs between. Yep. Kind of an accurate portrayal? Okay. So let's get into the $64,000 question. And that is RevOps, build it or buy it? So I guess my real question is, you know, a lot of companies, they will start with that sales ops or marketing ops person, and then they get 5 million, 10 million. It's like, well, we kind of need to integrate and make sure there's alignment between those three or four. So do you buy it or do you build it? And what are the criteria to kind of make that decision? I think there's several. One, where's your product at? Where are you as a company? You know, what, what do you have the ability to afford, especially going into what everyone keeps saying is going to be a recession in the next six months? Right, how are you smart with your burn rate and the cash that you have on hand? Right? Does it make more sense to lock into an employee or go outside of that and go to a consulting firm or something like that where maybe it's less sticky? Can you find the actual talent that you're looking for is another thing that I'd be trying to understand, right? Is it available? Is it hard to find? Can you afford it? We're in the middle of doing a uh, doing a RevOps compensation study. Hopefully, we'll have all those results out for folks uh, prior to Christmas. And we're going to make that open source so that people can slice and dice the data however they want to better understand their role and technology that they use and stuff like that. But I think that's a critical component of it. The other piece is time. Do you have an existing leader who you're going to give the time to build something out and allow them either to bring on a force multiplier to enact their vision by using a consulting firm, or are you going to give them the time to go out and hire and develop promising young talent? There's a lot of considerations there. Does that person have the capability to do that? And do you trust in them to be able to go through that process? And does your board have the stomach for it? Or do you have to get things done right here and right now and have to bring somebody in that's going to be able to activate within a couple of weeks to a month and start running forward full sprint. Those, those are all things to be considering. So interesting. Time to benefit, i.e. bring in the competency, the know-how, the resources, is a critical factor in outsourcing versus insourcing. Correct? Time to benefit and the cost, of course. Time to benefit, cost, and area of expertise, right? If you're going to go out and hire a director of RevOps right now, that person's getting paid probably thirty to fifty thousand dollars more than they were about eighteen months ago, with on average like three to four years less experience. So that's something to consider. And they probably don't have the same full breadth of understanding. You know, they haven't seen everything because they've probably only been in seat anywhere from three to six years, and maybe only with one or two orgs. So they've only seen it one way or two ways, and as opposed to 
perhaps working with an outside firm where they've seen it a bunch of times and you're getting the benefit of that. So there's all kinds of things to consider. Yeah. Last question, Cliff. You've seen a lot of companies either implementing a RevOps function with your organization or maybe supplementing an existing RevOps function. But let's talk about kind of that earlier stage SaaS company really saying, I think RevOps is something I should invest in. And I really don't think I have the ability to recruit the talent or even manage talent because I don't have the competency inside as ran RevOps. Sure. What are the two or three kind of attributes of a company that's successful partnering with a RevOps agency? Is there a particular attitude? Is it a readiness? What makes outsourcing revenue operations most successful from your customer's perspective? That's a great question. And honestly, it's the one we talk about the most uh, internally when we're trying to qualify folks, right? Um, and when we're trying to make sure that we're a good mutual fit for one another, the number one thing is executive maturity. Right. Does the executive team at the client org value revenue operations and do they value what that's going to be able to do for them? If they don't and they're just trying to do it because it's the term du jour or because they see all of their friends and other CDOs doing it, it's not going to be quite as successful as it could be. The other big one would be a designated product owner, right? Sometimes Folks just don't know who's going to own things internally. We had one client, I mean, she, when we first got on board with them, they didn't even know who owned their relationship with Salesforce and they were spending like a quarter million a year with them, right? So not a small amount of money, but having a designated product owner internally, who's going to be able to give that final yes or no on behalf of the organization to allow us to keep moving forward is been a really big one. And so again, another thing we go through in our selection process when we're looking at clients is... Are they going to be able to provide that so that way they're getting the most out of our resources that we're bringing to bear for them? That's interesting. It's the first time I've heard this about the product owner, because often your CRM, your customer relationship management software is a, a digital hub for all things customer lifecycle, but it touches marketing data, touch in processes, sales, customer success. So you're saying having a designated owner of CRM, as an example, is critical to revenue operations success. Yeah, I wouldn't just say CRM owner, like someone that's going to be able to own the process, right? Because to your point, it touches so many things. It's not just your CRM, it's your map, it's your SEP, it's your backend BI tool. It is making sure that you're getting all the product data from your engineering team aligned, right? There's all of these other pieces that come into play and you need someone that's going to be able to navigate those political waters internally and then be able to come back to a company like ours and, and make sure that we're being pointed in the right direction. We can help lead with industry expertise and with what we've seen be successful in other places, but ultimately we're not the ones that are going to say, yes, we're going to be putting this into production. Interesting. I know it's going to be a, it depends answer, but your most successful customers, who is the relationship owner of the RevOps outsourcing agency? Is it the CRO? Is it an internal ops person? Where do you find the most success? I usually find the most success when there is a VP or director of RevOps that's helping own that relationship and navigating the waters internally. They sort of help clear that the way for us in those areas to make sure that we're getting access to the appropriate people so that we can drive the business forward, right? That's what they brought us on board to do. And we want to make sure that we're taking full advantage of the time that they are paying us for, right? 
Um, Got it. So an internal ops resource, preferably a RevOps resource who owns your relationship but owns your success. Correct. Yep. Okay, got it. Well, I can't believe it, but we're coming up already on um, our 30 minutes. So I want the audience to get a chance to get to know Cliff Simon a little bit better. I'm going to do that through three questions. So the first question is, which CEO or company do you think is a must follow for a B2B SaaS RevOps professional today? I mean, personally, I'm a big fan of winning by design. I love the content that they put out. So uh, they, they're constantly pushing out you know, open source stuff for people to use and try out. So big fan of that. And I would follow Jocko. Okay. Jocko with winning by design. He's also very entertaining as a follow. Yeah. Fellow Dutchman, very entertaining. So. Okay. Second question, which application, what piece of software should every SaaS company be using to help make revenue operations more efficient, effective, and successful? Oh man. I think that one's a lot more difficult just because of the applications that play in specific ecosystems. There's a couple that I personally really like that we use internally. I, I do like place technology because it allows me to actually run RevRec billing and booking all side by side. And I think that's super, super helpful because at the end of the day, like cash flow, cash on hand is really important for us because we're a bootstrap business. Another one that I personally like and use a lot is tech called qflow.ai, which has saved me a lot of time when it comes to forecasting and modeling. Um, I think that one's pretty cool too. Qflow.ai, so they're a revenue operations and intelligence type system? Yeah, they take all of your existing data within Salesforce, pump it into there, and then uh, we'll populate using AI to uh, help you understand win rates, forecasted projections out as far as like, for us, right, really interesting, right? We do a, a pretty short sales cycle. So it, it helps us predict how much pipeline we're actually going to be generating in out quarters. Got you. Okay, last question. A lot of, you know, you talked about, what was it, 5,000 to 37,000 RevOps jobs? Is that right? Was that the number I heard? It went from 17,000 total jobs between people in jobs and openings in January to over 50,000 today. 17 to over 50. So there's a lot of either soon-to-be college graduates next May or recent college graduates, and they've heard about this RevOps as an entry point into the B2B technology SaaS world. So what advice would you give to that very recent or soon-to-be college graduate who wants to have revenue operations as their career path? I would say either start on the system side or start on the analysis side. So get really good at Excel and learn how to use tools out there like Tableau or Looker or Power BI. On the other side of it, get a Salesforce cert, get a HubSpot cert, start playing around with them. Both of them have free learning platforms, right? You can go on Trailhead or you can go to HubSpot and get access to a, a demo org and play around with it. Just make yourself knowledgeable, right? There's so much available out there. Uh, especially on YouTube, different podcasts, different blog sites. You know, Salesforce Ben does a great job of this, uh, helping educate folks. And my founder started doing Salesforce when he was in high school. So this isn't very far from our path as a company, right? Got it. I love it. Get to know a huge amount of capability and 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 interest out there. So they're going to have to create the additional workforce from somewhere. Right? There's a massive demand for this kind of work, and I think Salesforce in particular has already tapped out, you know, going to many international markets. The the next place is going to be in the colleges, right? You know, no one teaches college kids about Salesforce. They teach them about Microsoft Excel. 
but they don't tell them that there's 150, 160,000 companies worldwide that are using the software and that if you go into tech, there's a very, very high chance that you're going to have to interact with it at some point in time in your career. So you might as well learn it now. God, I love it. Become an expert at a couple of rev tech platforms and become really good at data analysis. I, I love that, Cliff. And unfortunately, that means we got to wrap up on this episode of Metrics at Major L podcast. But thank you so much for being a guest. And is there a way for people to reach out to you if they want to continue the discussion with you? Yeah, easiest way. Find me on LinkedIn, Cliff Simon. Real simple. You know, just the Cliff dash Simon after you do your typical uh, LinkedIn URL. Great. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the Metrics to Major Up podcast, Cliff. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ray. Really appreciate you having me on. And, and to our guests and listeners, it would mean the world to us. If you're enjoying and finding value from um, our podcast, go ahead and subscribe to Metrics to Major Up in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and give us that five-star rating and provide us a recommendation and review of how we can make the podcast even better for you and your peers and colleagues out there. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's Metrics to Measure Up podcast. If you would like to learn more about B2B SaaS metrics and benchmarks, please visit revopsquared.com.